Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Foresight's Biotech and Health Extension Group, sponsored by 100 Plus Capital. I am so delighted to have Brian Johnson here today. Um, Brian and I met maybe six years ago or something in San Francisco. Uh, Maya uh, uh, Lockwood was um, the one that introduced us and you joined uh, a recent Foresight Vision Weekend at the time, uh, which was mostly focused on kernel. And today we're here to discuss mostly other things, uh, even though they're not quite unrelated to kernel. Um, I've read a few of your um, kind of like, you know, more long-term philosophical works. And it really does seem like between Blueprint and uh, Kernel, there's quite the kind of like straight path um, to like pretty, I think, ambitious goals for civilization uh, and uh, and for humanity. So I think it's really, really cool that we get to chat. Thank you so, so much for coming online. I think just in terms of timing, there couldn't be a better uh, time to do this um, right after all of the kind of like, um, you know, recent Twitter discussions about uh, the longevity leader, uh, leadership board and so forth. So I think it's a really cool, uh, I think, time to connect. Thanks a ton for coming online. Uh, so you, your work specifically on Blueprint has kind of like been circulating within our community for quite some time now. Um, and people, you know, here, many individual folks in this room, but also in general in the larger community are relatively, I think, you know, like vigilant about the way that, you know, they track and measure their own health and try to improve it. And so I think it was a really welcome, um, yeah, piece of information for them to get. And, and I really, we really salute you for like having been so, uh, so rigorous uh, on all of this. But perhaps uh, for someone that may not know uh, what um, Blueprint is about, uh, could you just perhaps give a little bit of an overview of uh, Blueprint and what got you kind of like into uh, the work that uh, you're doing with it? I, I have my pilot's license. Uh, first of all, hi, everyone. Nice to be here. <laughs> I, I got my pilot's license a couple of years ago. And uh, one day I was flying the airplane and I turned the autopilot on. And it was such a cool feature. I had become familiar with all the different instruments within the plane and how it measures what's going on and then makes autocorrections. And it makes such micro autocorrections that it keeps the plane stable to a degree far greater than I could with my own hands. I would watch, uh, I would try to feel the plane and see the plane move and then make these corrections, but it was in no, I could not compete with the quality of which the plane did it. And I wondered in that moment, I thought, could I build an autopilot for my body? That I have these, this really crude way of doing things. If I do this and that, and I feel this way and I can see weight go up and down, but I really miss the more granular changes in my body. And so I contemplated that question for a while, and then I set off to do it. And so now the team is you know, a few dozen people, and they are specialties in various areas. And we try to measure everything we can. We try to match that up with gold standard scientific evidence, and then create protocols for doing it. And what I agreed to do in the program was, I basically said, I would like to create this program so that it takes better care of me than I'm able and that's going to require me to say, I'm in for the protocol and I just say yes to everything. And so if that means it's going to change some habit or some social practice or something like that, I'm going to do it. And so that's what I've been doing for the past two years. I just follow the data and follow the evidence. And uh, we're oftentimes out in the unknown uh, where we can find a little bit of data and a little bit of direction, but we've just followed it. And uh, it's been a blast. And so I've I've spent a lot of money doing this and I've shared it openly. I've shared not everything, but a lot of things with uh, publicly because it's very hard to do this. It's very hard to put people together. It's very hard to find people who are willing to do this. So hopefully it's just helpful to people and they can take it and improve upon it and push it forward. 
Yeah, I love how I think you're in your one of your very first posts right at the beginning. You say like you fired evening Brian because <laughs> he messes up most of the work that uh, that morning Brian's tend to achieve. And I think that is actually like the number one realization. I think that you come to eventually of just like there's different parts. They don't always cooperate uh, with your long term goals. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, could you maybe elaborate a little bit more on like you know the kind of like if there are any like you know like really principles that have emerged uh, over the years that. You've been doing this work. Uh, what are they? I think like you list about like four general principles mm -hmm. of all, uh, um, you know, in, in your writing, but perhaps there's more uh, since, uh, since, since you last updated it. I would be really, really curious. Yeah, one is the, the basic observation. I mean, this is a group that is very familiar with and enjoys technology. And so as a technologist myself, I enjoy building with things where when a, when a given iteration is built, it becomes stable and reliable and it's not going to make mistakes. It's just going to do what it was engineered to do. And then that thing can be improved to the next version and the next and the next. But you rarely revert from a, a V4 back down to a V1 in terms of its functionality. Bugs may appear fine, but you generally can scaffold the gains. And that's not really true with humans. We have this tendency to engage in just self-destructive behaviors. So we do things that are not in our best interest. We eat too much food. We eat too much of the wrong food. We may smoke. We may drink excessively. We may have all kinds of bad habits. And even though we know these things are not conducive to, well, they accelerate disease, they accelerate aging, and they may not be conducive to our long-term goals, we still do them thousands and thousands of times in our life. And I don't know, if we look at this from a futuristic perspective, uh, is it the case that we've so normalized these self-destructive behaviors that we're just oblivious to it? In fact, we celebrate it. We, if a person doesn't want to go out and drink with friends and stay out late, they're kind of ostracized from the group as being a party pooper. And so we just have this culture and norm of these self-destructive behaviors. And maybe we'd say it's kind of a form of insanity as a species as we think about how we move ourselves into the future. And then, uh, yeah, so like these, I'm trying to draw these basic principles of the entirety of Blueprint was this idea I was, I've been thinking about for a decade, which is we're in this special moment in on planet Earth with the emergence of this technology. Where do we go as a species? Like This is the question that I think about nonstop. And there's two ways of going about doing it. One would be to point out all the things that need to change in the world or be improved or whatever. The other is to point in itself. And I thought that might be the more promising starting point is looking within myself and saying, how could I actually bring about the future I want by first taking care of my own internal goal alignment? So is your work with Nutrient at all related then to uh, your professional career that you had with Kernel at all? Like did it kind of like uh, spring out of that? Um, or, you know, is it, is it, was it more like a personal pursuit on the side that then eventually also turned out to have like lots of relevance for uh, yeah, for your work with Kernel, which is mostly, you know, really on the, uh, on the newer tech end. It's all interconnected. And so th the basic question, once I sold Braintree Venmo, uh, so I had $300 million and it was this question, okay, where, what is the singular thing I can put my finger on and do that would be useful to other people uh, now and then far into the future? And so I've been working on this puzzle for a long time. And as I thought about it more, uh, it seemed to me that a focus on improving humans, improving ourselves might yield unusually high yield uh, benefit. 
we, we spend a tremendous amount of time building our own technology. We spend a lot of time talking about solving big problems, uh, not as much on systematic compounded growth of ourselves. And so when I thought about the future, it seems to me that we, the biggest problem we have, it seems, uh, is we need to figure out how to cooperate or goal align. And that is we, within ourselves, between each other, with artificial intelligence and with planet Earth. So basically a game of trillions of intelligent agents. We need computational goal alignment at this scale that uh, we haven't had before. And so the experiment with Blueprint with myself was it was a basically a question. Like we've heard about this with AI. Like we we hear the discussion of, oh, we need AI to have goal alignment with humans. To me, that's kind of a silly statement because it presupposes that humans have same goals. And that's not true. Even within self, we have different goals. So no one's aligned anywhere at any time. And so I had this question of, can I go align even me within me? And that's when we start taking this approach of, could we begin measuring every organ of my body, asking it what it needs to be in an ideal state, looking at the evidence, design a, a clinical guideline, in, implement the protocol, measure, guideline, protocol, and repeat. And so you're asking all the organs and all of Brian to cooperate. And so it's actually the first time in my entire life I have been able to achieve cooperation within me. Every other state of my life, I would say the level of turbulence I experienced, the same back to the, to the airplane of like the jostling I felt is substantially more of my emotions and thoughts kind of throwing me to and fro. It's the first time in my life I've really felt settled and stable as a person. I think it's really, really interesting. Like there's a ton of, I mean, Marvin Minsky, you know, like back in the day said this idea yeah. of like society of mind, um, where basically even internally we're so divided and so conflicted and have different agents in our like mind that want yeah. different things at different periods of time. And so I think usually when people think about like internal goal alignment at all, they think about something like in philosophy, perhaps like the reflective equilibrium where you bring your like moral belief into uh, like one equilibrium or like something like meditation, but it's really interesting that you're literally trying to do this like physically. Um, and so, yeah, uh, and maybe we can come back to the AI question, which I'm like really, really interested in, but like just for now to bring people up to speed who may have not like digested the amount of information that you put online there. But, um, yeah, could you perhaps like go a little bit more into detail on like what it is that you're actually doing? Like you have a few steps really that. You know, go, starts with meal prep, supplements, measurement, and all of these types of things, which, which people here are like really, really interested in. So, if you, you know, could could you paint and draw and like broad strokes a picture of like what it, what is it actually? What 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 does blue tail? Uh, what does blueprint entail on a like on a daily yeah. basis? I loved your summary. You're exactly right. Uh, how you captured what we previously talked about. Um, yeah. So, a blueprint is basically uh, it's it's trying to solve the problem for me and for everyone else. Typically, when a layperson gets engaged in health or anti-aging, they will cite first they say eggs are bad for you, then they say eggs are good for you, or maybe it's the other way around. And then they say no one knows and they give up. And so there's this general perception among a lot of people, I think we all experience this in life, of uh, it's difficult to put your finger on what things work and why and how to keep it stable and how it interacts. It's very hard. And so Blueprint was an attempt at saying, here's a version, which may do something that is useful. It's not to say that it's the best version or the only version, it's just a version. And here's all the data we can acquire from every possible measurement source on how it's doing. And so 
for me, the data that I find convincing. So if you look at uh, my biomarkers, I have 50 plus perfect biomarkers in optical clinical outcome range. I have 100 biomarkers under uh, less than my chronological age uh, using the denudin pace epigenetic uh, marker, the algorithm. Uh, I, my rate of aging is 0.76. Now that's the algorithm has, I think, the highest correlation to phenotypic markers and uh, phenotypic outcomes. Um, I have, a, you know, I did a 5.1 years of age reversal using six epigenetic clocks. But let's just say, let's discount the epigenetic clocks because let's say they're up and coming. We don't trust them yet. Take them with a barrel of salt, fine. But if you take my biomarkers and you look at these other things, generally speaking, they form a picture. Although you take my fitness tests of what I do, like VO2 max, and you take uh, my stretch and my grip strength and all the other things, it's generally a picture of good health. Uh, and so it's meant to say to somebody, here's the entirety of what I'm doing. You can start with this as your way to get into this game. And then you can improve upon it with your own measurement, but it potentially helps punch through this paralysis that most people think uh, exists because with the paralysis, most people will say, well, I'm going to go on keto or I'm going to go on the South Beach diet or I'm going to do, they, they want to find something that is structured and that gives them a plan. And so this is meant to say, here's a stable place for you to start and then you can make your own version of it. But it's, again, it's really trying to move the field forward in a systematic way. And it's meant to say, if you have an opinion, share data. Let's like let's let's not hang out in opinion land of this tribalism of vegan versus um, you know meat. Uh, let's use data to have conversations, and it would help everyone move forward in a more structured way. Very cool. Yeah, I love this. It's certainly, um, I think, yeah, one avenue that this group uh, is very excited about. Um, would you say that you yourself like? kind of like had to encounter any like crazy surprises. I remember, for example, when I went on a glucose monitor, it was surprising to me how little effect alcohol had uh, and how much effect um, tea had. Like tea was certain like sweetness and so forth. But I think, I mean, it's different for everyone, obviously. But like I, I definitely had some surprises where I was like, this made no sense to me at the beginning. Were there anything that like you found incredibly surprising? Like not to say that this applies now for everyone, but like for your own body. Like what was there something that you had to let go of? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the one that is most surprising to me is actually the one that's been sensationalized in the media, which is this um, high frequency electromagnetic stimulation, and uh, the people talked about it for nighttime erections. So I did not think this was going to be shared publicly. I did not. I didn't share it to be to be published. <laughs> I thought it was shared in confidence, but um, it turned out to be kind of funny. So. Uh, we I we have this high famas machine and we use it because it does muscle contraction. And we thought it'd be a fun device to play with. And as you age, your pelvic floor ages. So a lot of women use this post-birth uh, to help with a variety of problems. And so because the device had this thing uh, that could help build my, my pelvic floor, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to experiment with this? to see if I could prevent uh, getting up at night to go to the bathroom because I average one time per night getting up to the bathroom, which is normal. But every time I uh, I don't get up to the bathroom, my sleep is substantially better. And so I was just trying to solve the problem of don't get up at night to go to the bathroom at all. And so surprisingly, when I started doing this, I had this other side effect, which you know is like sexual health. And there's actually age curves on on nighttime erections and 
the duration and the frequency and whatnot. And so that it's, um, it's a bit of a taboo topic to talk about in life because typically you're going to hang out in like vegetables and fruits and other stuff. And these are things not people talk about, but I guess it's, uh, it's one to, um, try to be open with, we're exploring a whole bunch of things. We're trying to do it systematically. We do experience these surprises. Um, and you know, of course, like it, it didn't hurt that that's a thing that people led with in the publicity because it's something that a lot of people think about and care about. And so I'd say we do experience those kinds of surprises all the time. And the data really is much more illuminating than, than uh, subjective experience. So like, you know, this obviously, you know, to some extent, like started with you. And then recently you've really kind of like, you know, been very vocal about like, you know, just trying to get more people kind of like, you know, enrolled in programs like this uh, and just to get a bit more, uh, more, more data on the table. Could you discuss a little bit like, you know, how that journey went from you individually doing this like extraordinary effort uh, on yourself and how you're uh, trying to like bring this maybe into the more of the, you know, public consciousness, or at least like within sub-communities. I've heard from like different groups, not only within our community, but like other different groups that care about like uh, longevity. Um, you know, everyone has like recently sent around uh, these few tweets and we're just like, hey, this is the thing we should be doing internally in our group. So it's de definitely, you know, it, it, it's taking a hold. But yeah, what what is this kind of like effort of like you trying to bring this a little bit more into the uh, into the public awareness with the, with the leaderboard and so forth? Could you elaborate? Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's probably three things I'd highlight. One is that uh, there's always going to be uh, an infinite, um, infinite depth of debate about given things. So no matter what a person does, no matter how much data they have, there's still going to be dozens and dozens of different opinions. Uh, so it's not going to settle anything anytime soon, but that's productive. So people to take this thing and to debate, and then they can do their own thing. So one is it's, it, um, it's meant to initiate a conversation about rigor of measurement. And then number two is hopefully that rigor can be transformed into a competition. So that's why we, we launched the Rejuvenation Olympics is it's very easy for a critic to jump on the scene and use words to try to persuade people of the pros and cons of a given thing. It's much harder to put up uh, it's much more difficult to share data that is uh, equally value in its contribution. And the Denudin Pace algorithm is arguably uh, good enough to be an approximate measure of how, of how someone's doing. So if you want to say, how am I doing in my entirety of my health? Instead of looking at 50 different biomarkers and doing a blood draw and all that kind of stuff, just a single number. What is the speed of aging in my body? It's interesting as a, a conversation starter with self and with others and how you're doing. So it was meant to convert this. And this kind of goes back to previous years as an entrepreneur. I always kind of found it weird that my fellow founder friends would want to go out at night and party and stay up late. And then the next day, they would be doing really important things at their companies, making really big decisions and, and whatnot. And I, I, I didn't understand because I, I thought of myself as a professional athlete, like a professional entrepreneur, and my brain was my most precious resource. And to be um, in a good spot was going to be valuable. And so in this, I, I've used the frame of I'm a professional rejuvena rejuvenation athlete, that I take this seriously, that I behave as an athlete. You know, if, if I go to bed on time, then it's like, well, if an athlete goes to bed on time before a big game day, we all get it as poor extending to perform, but we don't have a culture now that honors somebody's devotion to their trade 
that they're really going to prioritize sleep and diet. And so this is meant to say, if you're serious about this, you can be a professional athlete. And if you do, you're going to have cover. So a lot of people have ta- I've talked to, they, you know, they, they do a lot of things for the health and wellness and their partner's like, hey, you're killing me. Like, stop. It's too much. And then they say, well, they just send the link to my website. And like, but you know what? It could be so much worse. Look at this guy. You know, like <laughs> you could be with him. So, but it does give people cover that to start doing things in, in that kind of fashion. And then I'd say three again is it's uh, a conversation with data is the best way to move this thing forward. It's going to solve debates quicker than uh, verbal arguments. And so I think it has a chance of pushing it forward faster. Yeah, so on this uh, leaderboard, basically, like it's mostly really that, you know, people are sharing different, uh, yeah, different ways in which they measure their longevity, right? And then there's also discussion forum where basically they can discuss like, hey, I'm on this particular yeah. diet or is it mostly going to be about like, hey, no, I'm leading this with whatever, you know, individualized, uh, idiosyncratic, um, idiosyncratic like uh, intervention I, I'm doing. Like, you know, are you trying to, like, because they say it's a conversation starter, like, is there then eventually, like, I don't know, are there going to be discussion forums? Like, how how's this? I mean, that's the hope, is everyone shares data. Yeah, that it, um, that we become a community helping everyone move forward. And so that's what the, the Olympics is about, is you, a person would be motivated to be top of leaderboard, but also be a contributor in the community and sharing what they're doing. Very cool. And so you, like individually, if you wanted to give people like a head start uh, in this race, um, what have you found, like, you know, were the most successful intervention that you've been doing in your diet workout and so forth? Like if someone now came along and was like, okay, this all looks like much too much for me, I would be interested in MVP version of this. Uh, are there like a few specific things where you're like, okay, these have really big multiplier like, factors for me? Yeah. One, stop self-destructive behavior is probably the single best thing one can do for their wellness. I mean, it's funny because I think we all know this from experience. When we do positive things for ourselves, for example, go to the gym and work out or, or something like that, we are more prone that day to do something bad for ourselves because then we're like, oh, I can, because I went to the gym this morning, I can eat a second serving of lunch or I can have this brownie or something like that. So the human psychology is very funny, but uh, stopping self-destructive behavior is probably number one. And then sleep, probably number two. And then eating more vegetables, berries, and nuts, probably three. So just the basics of stuff we all know. Mm. So have you found like different ways to reward yourself? Because I think usually the way that we think that we reward ourselves are by things that, you know, are these like guilty pleasures. And so have you found like ways that actually work in which you actually afterwards feel like satisfied of having rewarded yourself and having done something good? For yourself, because I think that's a hard one to crack. Yeah, the yeah the responses to this have been amazing, and I mean, so I I guess I've I host uh, a a blueprint um, brunch in my house uh, frequently. I call it the first supper, and we walk through the philosophy and the future of being human in kind of a structured way, and. I've done this so many times now. I know these predictable responses. And so most people, when they see what I'm doing, they run a comparison in their mind and they then identify everything in life they couldn't do if they were on this. You know, so it's like my, sp- 
special pasta dish dish on Saturday night or a glass of wine or my, I know whatever. They like all their 15 or 20 different things and they immediately conclude, I don't think I can exist without these things happening. Like they, it's an existential crisis where they can't imagine existence without doing these things. And th- then it's, which is why many people, you know, online have said, I would basically rather die than do this. And so those things are not true. It's just humans responding to change. This is how we deal with change. When we see something that's different than how we're, what we're accustomed to today, we call it names. We call it dystopia. We say we'd rather die. But in reality, those aren't real representations of how we think or feel. They're just knee-jerk reactions. And so I have never, ever been happier. I've never been more fulfilled. I've never felt more rewarded. I've never been more stable. I've never, ever been in a better spot. And it's funny because the reaction is that people assume I'm miserable, that I just have uh, like no joy in life and that I'm a martyr to the cause. So it's funny how people, you know, they perceive, I guess maybe they want me to feel <laughs> because if I don't feel that way, they might feel uncomfortable. But it's been fun to see how people perceive uh, my situation and what they might feel if they did it themselves. And did that change significantly? I'm assuming that wasn't the case since day one, but like after a while, you maybe hit something like escape velocity and it was easier to do. Maybe also like for that, probably the measuring on, like actually seeing that you're making progress. Like, um, yeah, could you, oh, maybe that would be an interesting one to talk to. Like how much did you reduce your biological age uh, after a certain time? Because that's definitely, I think, a big carrot to hold in yeah. front of folks' faces if they try to do this type of stuff. Yeah, all of my friends and family who are on this, they they go through the same stages. They are intimidated by it. Then they engage. They're like, huh, not that bad. Then they love it. And they can't live without it. And it's almost, I can't think of a single person who hasn't had that experience. They they all land in the same spot that uh, life has never been as good for me. They feel great about themselves. And so it's just a process of going through it. But uh, typically, I mean, I think we all acknowledge when we feel and look our best, you know, like that's when we're happiest. Okay, very nice. One uh, kind of like detailed question, which is like, uh, how did the veganism come about in it? Like, which is a significant, I think, you know, like part of the entire diet, right? And it's certainly one yeah. that will come as a surprise or like another shock on top of the other shocks to someone, <laughs> you know, who's trying to dabble with it. Uh, yeah, veganism, it's a, so I have, I still eat collagen peptides. I've absent my collagen peptides. I'm trying to find a vegan version, version, version of that. But outside of uh, the collagen peptides, yeah, I am vegan. And it's a choice, not by necessity. So the blueprint says nothing about meat. Uh, I mean, it's anyone can do it. It's, a, it's really a system. It's measurement, protocol, guideline, implementation. So uh, yeah, it's really by choice. Okay, wonderful. And so uh, are you having any like, you know, more ambitious plans to like kind of like slot the blueprint method into uh, the longevity Olympics method, do you want them to be first somewhat separately, uh, or like independently or like, you know, like, I guess, you know, the blueprint method is already inherent in the longevity Olympics method. And that's like your, uh, best guess as uh, to how you can win these Olympics. Right. But like, are there any kind of like, you know, future, I don't know, like, I guess more, um, kind of like, you know, yeah, more solutions where it's basically like, people will basically share data in the same way that you share the data with Blueprint. 
like everyone uh, that enters these long distance uh, Olympics, they power the, these two products like related on the yeah on the front end. That, that's the hope. I mean, with with the rejuvenation Olympics, I did this in part for like my parents, where their level of knowledge is. If they go to the doctor, the doctor will be like, okay, your, um, your blood glucose is high. You know, like we need to work on your cholesterol. They'll, they'll make these observations. And so then my parents would leave with this general understanding of like, there's a few little things to take care of, but like, okay, and help. But there was really no easy way to say, is there a single number that explains how I'm doing? Because cholesterol is important, but it's not a single number that describes your entire self, your entire body. And so with, with the speed of aging, it's a single number that my mom or my dad can get their heads around and say, what's your number? What's my number? And how has my number changed? And so the Newton Pace has shown it's responsive to lifestyle interventions. And so with caloric restrictions, there's good data on this. And so it, it's meant to enable, it's meant to be capable of being used in small talk. So in the same way you would swap information about the weather or how you're doing, you could swap a number. I'm point blank or one point blank on my speed of aging and everyone understands this context. So it's really meant to make it mainstream of understanding your biological systems in their entirety. And the details can follow on cholesterol and triglycerides and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's meant to, just like we know how much money is in our bank account, uh, how much we weigh, that we all know our speed of a, a speed of aging number, for example. Yeah, and I love that by putting one out there. Like usually, I think the best way to get like better measurements is like by putting one out there that is like suboptimal, you know. But so far, mm -hmm. your current best guess, and then other people are like, no, but actually, I have this number. Uh, but then at least you're like at, at that point, you're like you know setting that playing field of like, hey, now we're talking about a number, uh, which uh, which is a really interesting approach. And it's definitely something that I've been like, you know, see float about in our communities for a long, long time. But it's really cool where someone is just creating the shelling point of like, Hey, I just did this. <laughs> and so from now on here, uh, that's a conversation starter. Um, before we go into audience questions, I do have one more. And that's like perhaps like more, one more of a longer term kind of question of like, you know, you have blueprint, you have kernel. Now you have this rejuvenation uh, Olympics. You've wrote a lot about kind of like your larger like philosophy and like plan. For, for humanity uh, and, and, and you know, really making kind of like ourselves literate about like what's possible for ourselves individually, what's possible for ourselves, um, you know, kind of like on, on a, on a more human level. Um, you talk, you know, all the way out, uh, and, and go into the new economic incentives that we may have. Um, you know, the fact that we really need to embrace AI and so forth, even all the way to existential risk and the fact that we need this global immune system. So, you know, I think it's definitely super fostered in line in the sense that, you know, like they're, we have these different buckets uh, within our institute. They are all working towards this like larger kind of like, you know, a, a development for civilization. And I'm just really curious, like, you know, what got you started on this like pretty large quest and how do you see, you know, you work a blueprint kernel and, and now these Olympics like slotting into this more larger kind of like vision that you have for you yourself getting healthy and civilization getting uh, healthy uh, and happy. I'd love to hear just like your larger vision of this and before we hit it with more uh, detailed Q&As. One thing I've read uh, a, a very large number of biographies and I enjoy biographies because you get a first-hand perspective, a point of view on the events of a given time and place. So it's not a historian necessarily talking about the things. You understand the person through their letters, their own words and their own diaries. And in these 
different biographies, one thing that I thought was interesting is uh, people who I really admire is in their time and place, they survey the landscape of all possible things they could identify. And sometimes they point at the horizon of the thing that can barely be seen. And they say, we're going to go after that thing. And the majority of people can't see it. And the majority of people think it's too hard to go after. And these people, for some reason, have the audaciousness to say, let's do it. And just inch by inch, they push this thing along. And so if we pose the question to ourselves right now in 2023, let's try to muster up, let's try to lower the noise as much as possible, sober up our cleanest mind possible, and let's try to assess what is the horizon that we can point to right now. And the frame I would give is, you know, talent hits the target that no one else can hit. Genius hits the target no one else can see. So what is the horizon of the opportunity that no one can see? And my argument for that is that we are in this special time and place of the species. It is time for us to get serious about our evolution, really serious. And ironically, it begins, I like what Alfred North White had said, which is civilization advances by automating by the number of automation, a number of important operations it can automate without thinking about them. And so when I think about my autonomous self and about automating basically perfect health for my body, wouldn't it be cool if everyone in society had perfect health? So just, we just built this layer where everyone had it. It was measured. We had protocol, we had data, and it was just a norm. And we elevated our thoughts to say, now what else can we do as a species? You know, instead of right now, we fight with this. It takes so much of our time and attention to, to address the nutritional needs of our bodies. And we're not doing a great job at it. I mean, I know this algorithm, I built the blueprint is, uh, by far better than I am at taking care of myself. And so I've, you know, I, I mean, I'm out of the business now of taking care of myself. This algorithm is now doing it for me and it's superior, superior in all ways. And so I guess that's really what I'd say is I, I, mean, I think it's time uh, for us to, to look at this and go after it. And is there like a role that you see, you know, for example, kernel or like in general neuroscience play? Because I know that you're already taking some like, you know, like brain data into account uh, big time uh, uh, anyways. But like, you know, like I think over time, there's a lot that we could also really be doing to like optimize our like mental health and yeah. like, you know, to really like optimize our cognitive abilities. Right. So do you see that like as, a, as another stepping stone and, yeah. and perhaps like, you know, being able to also generalize kind of like data analysis through like more advanced AI toolings. Like I think there's just so much possible that you can lay out on the stack and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really nice, I think like, yeah, get go and uh, to, to yeah. be doing these more advanced things too. You're right. I mean, kernel is a wearable for the brain. So in the same way that uh, many of us have experienced wearing Aura or Whoop or any other or Apple Watch, we build intuitions about our sleep and our resting heart rate and all the above. But we see when we eat late, we have this kind of you know, sleep performance. When we drink, we have this kind of performance. We build intuitions. Same with blood glucose monitors. When we eat a certain food, it spikes. And so we don't need them uh, perpetually as you build these models to understand this measurement protocol. We don't have it for the brain right now. We don't have any quantitative, any way to acquire high fidelity brain data that's easy about our brains. So we can't calibrate our brains and our minds in society in any way. So yeah, kernel, we've built the tech. It took us five years. Uh, many thought it was you know, impossible to do. We pulled it off. And now we're at this critical stage trying to show. We have two studies we've, we've published in the past week, uh, peer review studies. One is we looked at 15 healthies who took ketamine. 
And the other is we did 48 people who took zero low and medium dose alcohol. And we're basically trying to build intuition. What happens when someone takes ketamine? So I was a pilot participant and I have data on myself of uh, doing it every day for five days, then doing ketamine in 30 days afterwards. So what happened to my brain over a 35-day time period? It's really interesting. And the same thing with uh, with alcohol and impairment uh, as we compared it to a behavioral task. And so we're building these, hoping to build intuitions that we can now pose questions. What happens when, insert, answer, you know, something in the brain. So hopefully we can can prove a, uh, a specific thing in the market in time to get this to market. Very cool. And kudos for using yourself as guinea pig. <laughs> um, okay, wonderful. We have so many questions lined up already. It's uh, it's it's kind of crazy at this point. So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't start taking a few of them. So uh, I will ask Nicola perhaps to unmute yourself first. If you do want to give like a word of background into like, you know, how are you coming to this question or like what your background is um, so that Brian has a better understanding of like, you know, your like, I guess like technical, the, the technical level at, at which to answer this question that would be useful. Uh, and yeah, you go f- Thank you, Brian, for a great talk. And I'm always excited when people move from neuroscience into longevity and in the other direction. Um, that's a shared background that we have. Um, thank you also for being the daredevil of longevity. So the question I have is maybe you can solve for us a problem that we all have. Is We have nine hallmarks. Now soon they're going to 12. It's a multifaceted problem that we're solving. And most people, and that's because that's the system, we can only test one element at a time, apply a therapy that is specifically directed to one of the problems of longevity. And obviously that's not going to give us escape velocity. So how do you approach synergistic effects? And are you really looking at it from a scientific point, integrative effects of multiple interventions, and especially at the long term? because I spoke with some people that are around you and everybody speaks about Mendelian randomization in there to see causality. But those things go a little bit beyond. You're trying to solve a problem, something that, you know, it's going to be with you for 20, 30 years. How are you approaching that? Yep. I agree with you with the objective. I agree with you with the problem of N of 1, specifically what I'm doing. I don't think we have a solve. I think that the team is doing their best uh, with managing uh, speed of progress, measurement protocols, and um, sharing the data. So I'm, I don't think I have a good answer for you other than we're doing our best with a very small team and trying to move as fast as we can. We, we run into some, we run into really significant hurdles trying to do things, uh, that are very hard. Um, like for example, we're, we're doing a whole body MRI protocol right now trying to get every organ of the body in a routine measurement. Um, that's, that's been very difficult to find an MRI facility to have the right um, you know, MRI machine, to have the right radiologist. You know, like, it's just like, and then the, the reads, like it's just all so hard. And so I'd say um, for your question, we're probably failing you on what you want to see is going to be my guess. Can I then for the second question? Yeah. Um, so I also do biohacking and I've chosen a different perspective. I'm looking at microbiome and I'm looking at immune system because that's where also my work is. 
And I also lowered my age. We have the same calendar age. I also lowered my biological age with about the same interval on this other parameters. So the question is, when we speak about, when we speak about escape velocity, do we really believe that our overall biological age has been reduced mm-hmm. by something? Is it like, you know, PNL token on the stock market? Or are we working on a specific element of our age, mm-hmm. which, is, which we're optimizing, but that's just one of many parameters? I agree with your question. <laughs> then, yeah, I mean, it's open, right? It's TBD. Uh, so I concur. That's something we should explore. I'm guessing it's also something that will be emergent, you know, based on like many more people doing specific parts and specific interventions and then eventually, you know, being able to like cross compare uh, across the different ones. Yeah. I mean, Nicola, I think the, I think your questions are great. Um, I think they highlight the areas that where our project falls short. I think we, we just don't solve, um, you know, critical things in the field of aging. Uh, it's a contribution in some way, but it's not a silver bullet, right? It's a data point, but not conclusive. So, um, it really is at this point. I think the utility is the, uh, is the, the idea getting to more people that you can do something to generally improve yourself in a reliable way. That if, if a person does something, they can have trust. It's going to be positive. I think that's really the baby step we're trying to take. I mean, outside of that, I think we'd be overreaching with where we're at right now. So I think your questions nail it. Cool. Uh, okay. Next one up, we have Lauren. Hey, Brian. Lauren's from Vidadao here. Um, I'm uh, wondering if um, you, since you're interested in, in impact on your own longevity uh, as well as, as having impact on the world, um, doesn't it make more sense to have this sort of Pareto uh, principle of like um, maybe do 10% or 5% of the effort for 90%, 95% of the potential benefit uh, and then use that uh, energy of yours and, and resources for more uh, focus on more on innovation in the therapeutics uh, in, in biotech, right, uh, or nanotech, and um, also just diagnostics because I don't think the diagnostics we have right now are, are very good, and so it's really hard to know what to optimize in terms of life, lifestyle. I think you have uh, these uh, uh, biological age clocks, right, but there, we don't have the the Mm-hmm. amazing trial that is longitudinal with mm-hmm. an interventional arm to really know that it's causative mm-hmm. and we, we can predict morbidity and mortality. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think uh, I'd love to hear more about uh, how you think about therapeutics and, and biotech versus focusing on, on lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, your question is basically one of capital allocation. So given a... But also uh, time, right? And, and uh, attention. Sure. Yep. So yes, capital in, in the terms of all, uh, of a resource allocation. Um, you know, I've, I've been working on kernel for seven years now. Uh, so I spent, uh, five years investing a hundred million dollars in synthetic biology, genomics, computational therapeutics. So for example, I was first professional money in, in Ginkgo Bioworks. And so that was my first experience in seeing deep tech of 
uh, what it takes to get deep tech to market. And then I did it personally with Kernel. Uh, so I've been doing it for the past seven years, having firsthand experience trying to get deep tech to market. And then I have experience with Blueprint in doing this. And there are different models of resource allocation. And everyone, of course, is always trying to uh, find the power laws of life. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. What are the power laws of longevity? You know, and if, if there are power laws to be identified that can do resource allocation, you uh, would love to hear how you'd allocate the capital and time. I'm super interested in my, my own longevity, right? And, but I'm, I am definitely spending 5% of my efforts on, on doing personal things because again, I, I am pretty disillusioned with what we, we just don't know what works and, and, uh, the, the biomarkers we have now, uh, like you are, I think you, the blueprint is really the best so far, but we still don't know if it's good. Uh, right. Sure. We still don't know if we can predict morbidity and mortality yeah. accurately. Yeah. Uh, we still don't know if you're, if you're doing the right thing. So for now, I am definitely focusing more on, on biotech and, and VitaDAO as well. Just obviously we have this big community. We could focus on lifestyle a lot more, but for now it's, it's just uh, not as uh, rigorous in terms of like, isn't really impactful. Um, therapeutics could help us be healthy for much longer with no discipline lifestyle. Even if we would be perfect, we would still age and still de- degenerate eventually. So. We definitely need therapeutics. It's yeah. no question. Yeah, I agree. Your, your question just hi- it's highlights basically in this field right now. You know, there are thousands of people te- uh, people testing their own uh, their own model, their own best guess of uh, resource allocation. Right, whether you're in academia or whether you're building a company or whether you're doing this personally, everyone's running this algorithm. No one's cracked it yet. Blueprint is a version of resource allocation. And so you know, take it for what it is. It's an attempt, whether it's valuable or not, TBD. But it's, uh, I thought it was a uh, missing variable in this game as I came into the, into the field. Again, like, we'll see in time whether it's a good or bad decision. Wonderful. Thanks. Next up, we have Drew Drews. Thank you, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Uh, what have you played with that doesn't work? And... Uh, what have you not talked about in a more public forum that you feel comfortable perhaps uh, pointing to here? So uh, you you have a tiny little, uh, you know, five-point senolytics uh, uh, on your blueprint and other things like that. And and so uh, the statnib and, uh, you know, so thanks. Uh, love to learn from you. Yeah. Um, we... As a team, we have been, this past week, we've been talking a lot more about what to share publicly because, you know, um, we, we've been doing this, uh, with rigor and seriousness. We've also been having fun and the attention, uh, that we've gotten has, you know, it created quite a few responses. And from serious scientists, we typically get ire. <laughs> you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they want to beat us up a little bit. And so we're thinking very carefully about how we do things going forward and, and what level of peer review we're going to do because there's an appetite, of course, for, you know, you know uh, for a whole variety of things. So we've done a lot more than what we've talked about publicly. And at this point, we just need to be thoughtful about what we share and how we share it because there's a broader community engaged in this and we're trying to be mindful to be good participants. Very cool. Um, that's a... Very diplomatic answer. I like it. Uh, next one up, we have Carl. 
how? So, and I have a big, I have a big question and a little question. The little, the big question is, you know, we have a lot of forums on the web where people discuss biomarker biomarkers and also their longevity stack, um, individual interventions. Um, there's not a lot of good forums for people to discuss the whole giant effort like blueprints. Um, do you think that, you know, as part of your plan to not just put it out there with your data, but also to try to form, you know, lead a global conversation about the full stack, you know, getting into the weeds, like optimizing it, you know, debating each individual part yeah. with qualified, knowledgeable people, right? There's other people yeah. doing things vaguely like you, but not quite as maybe comprehensively or publicly, but like Michael Lustgarden, for example. And there's a lot of us on this call who are doing stuff Curious what your plans are on that. But then the, the tiny little question is also the device you mentioned. Did it actually also reduce nighttime bathroom visits? It did. Yes. Yeah. So it was a big success. My, my sleep quality. This actually, the past week, I achieved record HRV. So I've been working on my HRV for four years now. And so it's really had a significant impact with other stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I, we've, we've had the same conversation on the discussion forum. How do we bring people together? You know, like, um, I've yet to encounter anyone, whether they are a, like this group is a primary concentration of people who know what they're talking about. And then there's another side of the spectrum who are lay people. I have not met a, well, okay, 99% of people know better than us, the blueprint team. And so like the, the level of disagreement is so high. Uh, from every corner and the level of confidence that each person attaches to their own viewpoint is so high. It creates this situation where I, I don't see a whole lot of productive conversations happening in forums because people just want to be heard. And then everyone hits this loggerhead. Now, I may be wrong. There may be like different forums, but when I go out in the world and I engage, uh, <laughs> it's pretty rowdy in terms of people's own opinions about what we should and should not be doing and how we're approaching things. And so, I don't know. I don't know what the forum answer is and how we could do something productive. Maybe you do. Yeah, well, I guess maybe the point is not an open forum that's open to everybody, but yeah. you know, there's other people putting out material that is a subset of what you're doing or, or yeah. things like that. And I, I, I feel like, you know, I suggested this on Twitter a while back, that, you know, you and Lust Garden and um, Chris Mirabel from Novos is doing something vaguely like this. You know, somebody, maybe we ought to have a... Uh, a Maybe Foresight will organize it, but maybe there should be at least an online thing where, um, you know, Oliver and others get together who have opinions, but aren't just like arguing against the whole. Yeah. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. But I thanks for, thanks for all you do. Uh, I think it's, it's bringing good attention. Yeah. And, and, and I would offer, you know, I'm sorry for all the consternation I call, I cause each of you. I'm sure that there's like, you know, <laughs> so I acknowledge it. <laughs> I think on a larger level, people are just excited that someone's like actually, you know, creating this more public shelling point now for people to gather and like to actually, to, to at least disagree with data. So, um, uh, yeah. And, uh, volunteering here uh, on the record that if people want, uh, kind of like foresight help on coordinating something like that, I'd certainly be interested in doing this. Um, next one up, we have Daniel. Hey Brian, yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for thanks for being here, Daniel Georgiev from. Um, uh, so I founded a startup called Sampling Human. We're uh, scaling up single cell analysis, 
just massively beyond what it's right now so that it can be used in things like diagnostics. Uh, yeah, and I, I just, you know, looking at the blueprint, there's incredible hard work that's been put into that. It's amazing. It sort of makes me think back of kind of the gurus uh, in the Hindu culture where, you know, they said that they could live all these years, but it almost feels like to live all those years, you have to have such good self-control to kind of have earned, you know, your right to to be able to do that. So, I, so I, I, you know, I, uh, 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 yeah, I admire that. Um, my, I mean, I think when, when I do, you know, when I take various kinds of supplements or, and I look at all of these recommendations, I think my first, the first thing that comes to mind is, can I actually do wrong with this in the long, in the long run? And it yeah. seems like almost the, the process for finding, you know, what is right there should be a complementary process that sort of looks at this as there's maybe, I don't believe that's the case, but, you know, looking at it as like, there's no such thing as free lunch and looking at sort of what could I be doing myself in the long-term harm and can I predict in, you know, in advance that, that that's what I may be doing. And so I was just wondering, how do you, you know, because you're the first data point, right? How do you go about, what is your process in looking at, you know, answering that question? Yeah, it'd be a question for my team. I mean, they think about this a lot. We have the same question all the time. So I would defer to them. But okay. we, I agree, I agree with you conceptually on it's a, it's a important variable to consider. Not variable. It's an important, uh, methodical question to contemplate in the entirety of the program. Probably also changes a lot at like what part or like what stage in your own aging journey you're in. If <laughs> like, I was the worst of us is not your. Um, okay, next one up, we have Eric. Oh, thanks. All right, so my question is, um, do you have the baseline data for your biomarkers that you're measuring somewhere? Like, um, it's not on your website. I was looking at that. But, like, how do you know what normal looks like? What, where's that data? Uh, you're saying normal. Uh... Like, what is... So when you say uh, someone's... a certain biological age there's like an amount of variance there's like a fuzziness mm. to that right there's a so typically what i look for is like scatter plots of like here's a yeah. biomarker that shifts over age and it has some kind of trend do you have yeah. those scatter plots somewhere for the the stuff that you're measuring like the baseline we do data? yeah so dr zolman's built all that yeah so this is this is primarily his brainchild of taking the organ by organ biological age quantification and he's worked on this in the past decade and so we that, do have a, yeah, we have substantially more uh, rigor than we've shared publicly. And so I think okay. from the outside looking in, I think people would think it looks pretty skinny. Uh, we haven't shared it because, you know, we, we haven't known what we're going to do with this endeavor. So we've shared just enough to give people an idea of what we're up to, but not the behind the scenes. And so at some point, uh, we, yeah, we need to consider how we do this because I understand from a uh, perspective like yours, um, that's exactly the question I'd ask too. Right. And just to throw this out there. So this machine here measures skin autofluorescence. The people who built it, they don't know this, but if you take a hot shower, it reduces your age by about 12 years temporarily for about half an hour. Um, so that's, that's the kind of stuff. It's like that variance. It's like how much of that is affecting yeah. what you guys have seen so far. Yeah. You can't tell. Yeah. That- yeah. I agree. That machine is right here on my desk as well. And so, yeah, so we use it also. What did, what changes that measurement is if you have lotion on your, yep. on, yep. So yes, like we are, uh, we are hyper aware that 
protocols need to be precise. Uh, you need a certain number of measurements over certain durations of time. So yes, we we do employ that rigor across everything we do. All right, thanks. Yeah, very cool. And we have one minute to go, uh, so we unfortunately don't have time to get to most of the questions. But one question that I usually don't let guests leave without is. If people here in this room and beyond, like afterwards on YouTube, are excited about your work, which I think they clearly are, uh, then what can they do specifically to help you, your efforts, your work, uh, kind of like move along? Like what are like a few kind of like action items that people here could be taking uh, kind of to support you? Um, there's probably an abundance. There's probably way more area uh, there's probably an abundance of disagreement about uh, what I'm doing and what you would change and what you want to see. I think that what we can unite on is pushing the field forward in this uh, in a way that prioritizes data and other people building protocols and sharing their data a, a methodical approach. It's like, I hope that um, I come in peace. I hope that we can push this field forward. Um, you know, it's, uh, I've taken a lot of, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a lot, a lot of people and, um, there's probably a good opportunity to join forces a little bit here and push the field forward in a positive way. Wonderful. Well, uh, I can't tell you how excited people in the group are that you came on and talked about this, uh, and you know, like how much, like we really salute you and like welcome like the incredible effort on the individual level and with, you know, a really broad team at this point uh, to be pushing this field forward. Uh, it was really, really wonderful to have you uh, discuss like kind of like the very like top layer of that iceberg uh, with us. And uh, I will be sharing the uh, links also that uh, Kate put here in the chat with the group and afterwards on YouTube. Thanks a ton for, uh, for joining. I don't think, I hope it wasn't the last time that we have you on um, and we'll share links to your various efforts uh, as well. And yeah, I, I can just reiterate that if it ever becomes useful, um, that I coordinate like a smaller kind of like forum or discussion or something on this. Uh, very, very happy to do so. But for now, thanks a ton for your work. Thanks everyone for joining. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see you at the next one. See you guys. Thanks all. Did this conversation pique your interest? Maybe it even inspired a bit of existential hope about the future in you. Search for Fawcett Institute on YouTube or Twitter to stay up to date or visit Fawcett.org to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and join our efforts. We are entirely funded by your donations. So please support us if you like what we do. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>